0: Please rise for their majesties of Royally
1: Obsessed, the podcast for all things Royals. Three
0: cheers for His Majesty, the King.
1: The countdown to the next episode of Royally Obsessed podcast is over because Rachel and I are (laughs) back and bringing you a brand new episode with all the royal updates from the past week. So I'm Roberta. I'm Rachel. And if you haven't already, you definitely need to hit follow on Royally Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. Also email us info at gallerypodcast.com. We do have a packed episode this week and a special guest. Rachel, tell us all about
0: it. Well, as you mentioned, Roberta, we will be chatting with Kate Nicholson, senior trends reporter for Huffington Post UK. She is joining us to share her up to the minute on the ground reporting of Prince Harry's court case that played out last week with him on the witness stand. We also are digging into what the Waleses have been up to, where Charles and Camilla popped up this weekend, Trooping the Color rehearsals. It's already that time of year, so close to the coronation, and a lot more, Roberta. And
1: now it's time for the Weekly Royal Cocktail. And of course, to get through all of that, we save time for a special drink, our Royal Refreshment segment. I am picking something that I had this weekend. I don't have it in front of me, actually, but I wanted to talk about Orange Crushes, which I think I've actually mentioned to you before. Rachel, have I talked about it? No, I don't know.
0: It sounds delicious. I immediately thought of the soda.
1: Oh, it's a very – yes, that's what I thought of, too, when I first heard it. But it's a very South Jersey drink, and it's just vodka and then fresh-squeezed orange juice and usually Sprite or you can do club soda, but there's all different variations. There's like mango crush and grapefruit crush and where Dave is from, it's a, it's a huge deal and like Margate in that area. So I had a lot this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so like summer kickoff. The pictures you posted or the Instagram stories looked oh, amazing. Yeah. Looked I, awesome. I feel like I'm in full summer swing and really counting down the days till we have a little break again for the 4th of July. What about you?
0: I know. The weekend was great. Well, I am sipping water today because it is just... A week that is on overdrive. <laughs> I have to be totally transparent there. I need to just hydrate. Um, but I wanted to mention that I had this crazy experience happen last weekend where I was strolling through my neighborhood in Brooklyn with Matt, with Finn, and this lovely group of ladies was approaching us. They actually looked so stylish. I thought they had to have been coming from some sort of cool summer soirée. We were bound Aww. for Governor's Island, which was our intention, and they have one of the members of the group mentioned that she loves the podcast. And I just wanted to shout out Cece. I was so flustered and so (laughs) caught off guard. I like think it was the first moment that anyone has ever like recognized me. And I feel like in Brooklyn I just feel so like one of a million. So it was very special for me. And my husband wouldn't let me live it down the rest of the day.
1: <laughs> Rachel, your celeb status. I love that you were no, spotted in No, but she was so birthday.
0: complimentary to the show. And it just like made me beam so much. So I just had to mention it here. I texted oh. Roberta immediately.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. And also, I think that we should just replace our entire Royal refreshment segment this week because we're actually going to have refreshments together. We, Rachel and I are getting to see each other on Thursday for lunch. And so I cannot that's wait right. to be in the city together. Isn't that crazy? It's this week. <laughs> what is time, Roberta? That's all I can say because I know, because I'm I know. Just, like, you better be there on Thursday.
0: I will be there. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm very excited. All right. Anyways, moving on. We got this wonderful note. We're going back into our listener archive a bit because we're behind, but we heard from Sonia, who has been a longtime lover of the pod. It's always such a treat when we hear from her. She penned us a note in May, or emailed. Can I say penned? Uh, that we're just getting to where this was post-coronation. She said, ladies, welcome back. I so enjoyed living vicariously through your Corey adventures. Totally made up for you not going to the Jubbly. I the Jubbly. Gets me every time. I was up at 4 a.m. to watch the coronation live and enjoyed all the pageantry and symbolism. Just a quick note, since you are still unpacking and dealing with laundry. I kind of still am, I will add, like four weeks later. (laughs) Uh, Christopher Kimball's Milk Street Radio is one of my favorite podcasts for recipe cookbook and cooking ideas. Listen to Claire Patak's account of making Harry and Meghan's wedding cake. It's very interesting. I think I already read her first cookbook and I've
1: requested her latest one from the library. This was such a hot tip, right, Roberta? Yes. I didn't know that Claire Patek went on this podcast. And actually, now I'm a big fan of Christopher Kimball. And he's like the co-founder of America's Test Kitchen, which I have a ton of their cookbooks. So I was really excited to listen. It was a great conversation. And Milk Street is associated with the magazine, which we subscribe to. Oh, you do? I think they're doing a special right now. It's like a dollar for 12 issues, which is amazing.
0: Matt has been a subscriber for years. It's such a great recipe spot.
1: But yeah, the the details about the cake are really exciting. Yeah. So he chatted, Christopher Kimball chatted with Violet Cakes owner, Claire Patak, like you mentioned, and Sonia alerted us too. And even if you just love baking, it's a really fun listen. Here is a little snippet of that conversation. I think They were really into the whole idea of organic and seasonal ingredients. So I think that was one of the reasons why they really wanted to go with our cakes. I think they probably asked many bakers to come down to Kensington Palace and we well, I, I was like, I can't just go with like a slice of cake for them to taste. I have to bring whole cakes, but then I can't bring one flavor. I have to bring <laughs> six. So I brought six whole cakes to Kensington Palace for Megan and Harry to try. It was, it was a lot to carry, but it was, uh, I think it was the right, obviously it was the right decision. <laughs> I love that little insight. And also, she goes on to explain she had to make a thousand pieces of cake for the wedding. Obviously, it was a cake that she cut into a thousand pieces. But she also, I forgot, made Lilibet's birthday cake way back when for her first birthday. She shared on Instagram. And her new cookbook was out last month. It's called Love is a Pink Cake. Rachel, you told me about this when it first came out. It's definitely on my wish list. I know, mine too. I
0: just, I think the blur of the coronation, I totally meant to grab it, so I can't wait. And I also had to dig back into the archive of those pictures of Harry and Meghan's wedding cake on those, she describes in the podcast, the display, the cake, what do you call them? Cake pans, cake displays? Yeah. That, but they are so ornate and just
1: looks too good to eat, is uh, how I would describe it. I know. Uh, now I'm hungry for cake. And <laughs> now. This Week in Royal History. Alright, well let's move on to This Week in Royal History. Flashing back to June 13th, 1981, when there was an assassination attempt on the Queen's life at Trooping the Colour. So, the Queen was leading the parade 15 minutes after leaving Buckingham Palace. She was on her 19-year-old favorite horse, Burmese. She talked about that horse, and she supposedly loved that horse. And A 17-year-old Marcus Simon Sargent from Kent, England, fired six blank shots from a replica revolver aimed at Queen Elizabeth. Here's a clip of that frenzied moment.
2: It happened just before 11 as the Queen moved towards Horse Guards Parade for the start of Trooping the Colour. Six shots were fired. The Queen's horse, Burmese, was startled, but the Queen controlled him. A guardsman grappled with a man helped by onlookers as police rushed in from all directions to make an arrest.
1: That footage was viral and continues to go viral on TikTok every few months or so. And so I was when I was reading about this on this day in royal history, I thought I've definitely seen this footage before. So you've probably seen it. The queen, of course, was unharmed. She was also really unfazed. Although Burmese was momentarily startled and kind of bucks his head, she soothes him, she pats him on the neck, brings it under control, continues down the parade route. The guards closed in around her for quite a stretch after that. Sargent himself was seized, pushed over the crowd control barriers by four members of the public, which shout out are just normal, everyday heroes. And was disarmed and subdued by police. He spent three years in prison for this. He was out at the age of 20, so he was just a teenager. He had recently, before this act, joined an anti-royalist club. He also had said he wanted to be the most famous teenager in history. He was uh, a bit... Unstable? Unstable. Yeah. Interestingly, he was wearing a Diana and Charles button on on his lapel. And a reminder that 1981 was the year they got married. They actually announced their engagement. Diana and Charles did in February of that year. So yeah, Marcus, he sent letters to Buckingham Palace. They arrived a few days after, but he warned the queen not to go to Trooping the Color. It's Obviously very scary and in light of Charles and the announcement that he will be riding a horse at the start of the parade. I think that's just something to keep in mind that they are you know constantly probably in fear of something like this happening again i will say there are a few other royal history mentions for this week june 10th was prince philip what would have been prince philip's birthday he was born in 1921 so he'd be 102 years old this year also diana her true story was published june 16th 1992 so time for a reread of that one big anniversary this week Also, one more wedding anniversary, June 19th, 1999, was Edward and Sophie's wedding. So probably see some pictures for that, hopefully.
0: Fascinating. Oh my gosh, so much in June. So much in the early summer for the royals. Definitely.
1: All right, shall we talk about the royals
0: this week, Roberta, they have been out and about. We saw Kate playing rugby. William visited Centerpoint today, the charity, the homeless charity that he is a patron of. Camilla also hosted her first annual Reading Room Festival over the weekend. All right. I know that this is all kind of a smattering, but there were a lot of appearances that we wanted to give some time to. Kate's rugby match. This was a, not a surprise, but also not a surprise because Kate is, this is her signature moment where she's on the athletic field, doing something athletic. She shines in these moments. I was pretty focused on her high ponytail. I got to (laughs) say,
1: wasn't that impressive? It was so impressive. I also think, well, I always think back to Lainey Lou coming on and saying that Kate needed to switch up her hairstyles. And this feels like very fresh, very new for her. But I was, I was kind of taken by the Lululemon sneakers. I really want to wear those workout sneakers now. Oh, absolutely.
0: I feel like, and also her sweaty Betty leggings or yeah. the workout Joggers. pants. I was looking yeah. those up. Those are great. Yes. Yeah, so she was there, Maidenhead Rugby Club, to play a game a version of rugby called Walking Rugby. But she was also, the main intention was to shine an additional spotlight on Shaping Us, her campaign. This time she was chatting with the men on the field versus women or caregivers about how their childhoods played an impact on their later life. And that, of course, is what she spotlights, the impact of the early years. So it was exciting to see her. I think, obviously, there was a lot of press about the juxtaposed headlines of Harry being on the witness stand, which we will be talking about coming up. But the high pony was what caught my eye. Me too. Then we had William at Centerpoint. This is obviously a cause that's so near and dear to his heart, homelessness. He is patron of the Centerpoint charity, but also the Passage. And apparently there's going to be a big initiative that he is launching tied to this cause coming later this summer. Some might say it's a political cause, but I think using, borrowing a page from Diana's book, it's more of a human issue in William's eyes. So he popped up at this new location for Centerpoint, which is a new housing development that's going to help combat youth homelessness. And of course, we know his birthday is coming, and he's often used that moment to shine a light on homelessness too. So it was great to see him. Apparently, he spent quite a bit of time chatting with the youths and didn't want to leave and
1: spent a bit of extra time. That's nice. I like that. I know. And then finally, the Reading
0: Room Festival, which I have to say didn't get a ton of play over the weekend. I was desperately searching for photos, even on Getty Images, wasn't popping up a bunch, but now we're seeing a lot of coverage trickling out. Mainly, I just want to shout out Charles was beaming with pride over this inaugural festival that Camilla had launched late last year. I think it was, tw- or actually, I think it might have been 2021 now that I say that. But he was just so proud. And I think that seeing Camilla and Charles in those moments together is really always special to see that Queen was late due to traffic, weather-related traffic for her own
1: debut, which was funny. What did you think of the jumpsuit, Roberta? I <laughs> I have to say I am still torn. I don't think I'm a huge fan, but I like that she's taking a risk. This feels like a fashion risk for her. It does, and it's a repeat,
0: which was a total shock to me. This Anna Valentine jumpsuit was apparently what she also wore to the coronation concert, which I didn't realize. Maybe it was because we mostly saw her from the waist up at mm-hmm. that event. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, this is this is her recycling, and I I like the risk. I like the
1: repeat. I'm gonna say okay. I don't know about the shape of it. I I don't know. I think she needs to wear more things with a defined waist. That would be my call out is I, I, I like the idea of it, but the wide legs were wide. I mean, that, and it was a, it was like a shapeless jumpsuit if that's possible. I don't know. I, I like the risk though. You're right. Like, let's give her points for that for sure. Here, here for the risk. But anyways, the Royals bottom line
0: are just out and about this week.
1: Ostentatious was what I wanted to see most from the Reading Room Festival. I want to see that so bad. It's that improv comedy with Jane Austen. I think we've talked about it before. Is that in the West End right now? I believe it is. Yes, we talked about this though that the that they were going to have that, and that's the highlight for me. So I can. And Camilla
0: apparently gave a prompt for it too. It seemed like a jolly good time, and a lot of people probably were able to go. I'm curious if any Roros were there. So jolly let us good know. Right as a note, if you were there, we want to hear the scoop. I know the heat wave was in full effect, but people showed up dressed to impress
1: when they said there were food trucks i pictured the coronation contest like, i feel like oh my they just gosh those, did we like,
0: ever talk about that here what the sort of debacle oh, that was the lines were
1: so long oh my gosh i feel like the palace just has like a storage of food trucks somewhere that they roll out for all these events all right moving on prince harry's court case so we are joined by Guest Kate Nicholson, she's from HuffPost UK as Rachel mentioned at the top of the episode. Before we get into our chat with her we wanted to kind of talk over some of the points she brought up. One of them being the Brits kind of feeling a little bit desensitized to all this I feel like that definitely comes with the passage of time last week felt like there was such a hullabaloo about the case. What do you think Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely – I can understand the
0: desensitization to something like that. It's so ongoing. But I also feel like this trial is so important because it is so absolutely illegal that if the alleged phone hacking took place in this instance, we know that it took place in other instances. It's just so dangerous. And, yes, this is a specific example with Harry and other celebs that are going to be talking and coming to the witness stand in the month ahead. But it just – the breach of privacy and the illegality of it all, I feel like Harry is fighting a good fight here.
1: Yeah, and I would also add, and maybe even caveat a little bit of suggestions and conversation around there being not a lot of evidence on Harry's side that I think in the last few days recently, because the court, the trial is still ongoing, the high court is still hearing from David Sherburn, who's Harry's lawyer, um, a lot more evidence and hard evidence like the interviewing of Jane Kerr, who was the mirror editor. She actually said on the witness stand that that was blagging of flights, which means they would call to pretend to be a customer and then get their seat number and all that. So it does feel like there's a lot of hard evidence. Harry was mostly asked about his feelings towards some of the stories that were presented in trial. So we'll just have to hear more. And like we mentioned, this is wrapping up the end of June. So we will maybe hear the verdict by then. But here is our chat with Kate Nicholson. Rose today, we're joined by Kate Nicholson, senior trends reporter at HuffPost UK. She's watched and covered Prince Harry's historic trial versus the Mirror Group newspapers and is going to fill us in on some of the key takeaways of his two days in court last week. Welcome, Kate. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, Kate, we first want to just back up for a second because Harry has a number of lawsuits right now. What is at stake in this particular case for him?
2: Well, This was a big deal because it was the first time he was in the witness box. The previous cases haven't yet gone this far. So this is the biggest one to date. And that's why it was such a historic moment and why it was covered absolutely everywhere. Uh, In terms of what's at stake, well, it had the potential to be quite embarrassing for him because obviously he has done a lot of media, especially since he's left the royal family's like working fold. He's much more at the forefront of things than he was when he was a working royal now. And he's had loads of interviews, the Oprah one, the stuff to promote his memoir. But that is so different to the stuff he had to do last week, where he was basically being cross-examined. He has to tell the truth. He doesn't get anyone, you know, whispering in his ear, covering for him, advising him exactly what to say. He's stuck in a box for hours, essentially, on his own. So that's why everyone was saying this is very risky, not as protected as before. And, you know, normal people find it really difficult, never mind someone whose entire life depends on their reputation, their image and their profile.
0: And in this case in particular is a civil trial, which means that there's no jury involved. But this also has the potential to be very precedent setting with what is the decision on it, because there are upcoming lawsuits that he has.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, also, he's just one of four witnesses in this particular case. So he was kind of a, it's a test trial uh, in that a test case, rather, whereas the judge will use his case as an example to set the precedent for all the other claimants in, against the Mirror Group newspapers. So, you know, he's got that responsibility on his shoulders as well.
1: Fascinating. A headline that we noticed that made a lot of waves here in the US media and around the world was that Harry, in his witness statement, described the British press and the government in the UK as being at rock bottom. That was his quote. Historically, you know, royals refrain from discussing politics. So what did everyone make of that?
2: You know what, that was actually, it was surprising, but there wasn't as much interest around it as there has been previously. I think because he has gradually made it very clear that he has, you know, disdain for the media in general and therefore the government. That's no surprise. I think the fact that he's, you know, got fewer and fewer ties to the UK in general now is nowhere near as big thing as it would have been, say, two years ago, three years ago. So yeah, I, th- I almost think people here in the UK are. Uh, they're, they're becoming desensitised to what he has to say, I think, mm-hmm. because he's he's distanced himself so much. You can only say something so many times to still get a reaction. I think we've had sympathy for him, and particularly in this case, in the phone hacking, nobody wants their privacy to be invaded like that. But I, in this case, I think because it's Harry, people are almost uh, switched off at this stage.
0: Interesting. So you've gone through, you know, in great detail on The Huffington Post UK about what's gone on. What would you say are the biggest bombshells from Harry's appearance on the witness stand? What stood out for you?
2: Well, I think one thing to say is that he doesn't have any concrete evidence that the Mirror Group newspapers definitely did hack him. The big thing that could be a turning point for the judge is that Harry said his flight details at one point were published in a newspaper article even though his security would never ever have revealed those to anyone because it's just not safe and that is the kind of thing that you can imagine would perhaps be accessed via a voicemail but otherwise harry had to say quite a lot you know this is suspicious uh, this article or uh, he doesn't remember reading a certain report Or, you know, he's not sure how that information would have filtered through to the press. So it was a lot of uncertainty. He probably would have wanted his uh, time in the witness box to come across with a lot more solid. But, you know, I think there were so many examples that him and his team cited from, uh, you know, where suspicious evidence gathering that I think that it it was not so much a bombshell, it was more like a cumulative day and a half of him saying, and here's another example, and here's another example. Mm -hmm. But in terms of other things that made headlines, probably him attacking the former uh, Mirror newspaper editor, uh, Piers Morgan, saying that uh, the thought of him, you know, hacking, well, supposedly hacking um, Princess Diana's voicemail made him feel physically sick. Harry also alleged that, you know, the, the newspapers made him out to be um, a thicko and other things like that. And then he ended up living up to those headlines because he thought, if everybody already thinks the worst of me, then um, I may as well fulfil that uh, idea. And I think the overall idea was just that he's he's been incredibly damaged by living in the media spotlight. And he's clearly, he's really angry but we already knew that. So I don't know in terms of new content. There were lots of examples of random stories from more than a decade ago. But yes, it was, it was a more of a, a cumulative idea that this is a really sad and angry young man.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Piers Morgan. I wanted to go back to that because he does play a big part in Harry's case as he was the former editor of The Mirror during that time when some of the alleged phone hacking took place. Rachel and I have our own opinions about peers, as many Americans probably do too. But what do you think is the general feeling from the British public toward him? I uh, <laughs> tricky one.
2: <laughs> personally, for me, I think he he, he seems more of a uh, a talking head. You know, he wants to say something so he can get some headlines. I, I try to ignore him personally, and he's he's always got he's always going to be in the media somehow. When it comes to his coverage of Harry and Meghan, I think he's decided that being more provocative is the way to keep his status up. But I don't think, you know, he he speaks for the majority of Brits. I think it's just that he has one of the loudest voices.
1: It's more inflammatory than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That That's kind of the feeling over here as well. <laughs> Yeah, and you also mentioned
0: the lack of evidence, and that's something we've read in a lot of pieces, follow-up pieces about Harry's appearance last week. What did you make of the part where they talked about the, you know, the cross-examination where it was mentioned that there is potential that some of the info came from a palace leaker instead of this phone hacking, that the the alleged phone hacking.
2: Yeah, well, Harry has said himself that he he's long suspected uh, information being leaked from within the palace. And it was expected that the Mirror Group newspapers would use that as a form of defence, saying, why do you think you've, we got this information through phone hacking? It came from within the palace. And Harry, Harry didn't dispute that in the case. He just said, um, he said yes, I, I'm sure that there was uh, some leaks. But he says that sometimes the newspapers would have information about his personal relationships, which he would never have told anyone within the palace. Very intimate details about his relationship with Chelsea Davy." But I I think, again, this is one of those things that I don't know if we'll ever know uh, for sure where things come from. A lot of it will end up being a he he said, she said, kind of back and forth thing. So, again, it it might end up being, you know, we never know for sure where a lot of this info came from. Um, But we'll just have to see what the judge says on that one
0: yeah I thought it was interesting because we really what we're hope what the outcome would be is that the judge needs to assess that hacking was more likely than not. It is very fascinating to me. it's not a jury trial exactly, yeah,
1: yeah, and so many of the articles date from so long ago that that's got to be difficult to even just pull up those voicemails on your phone, you know from so from years and years ago, so definitely it's a tricky one. We wanted to know what is the response in the u k to seeing Harry on the witness stand. Are you seeing any repercussions so far? For Harry, but also just for the other royals,
2: I I almost feel like there's we've reached a kind of a a bit of a stalemate. Like there's there's no more revelations coming in which can damage the royals any more than you know things like spare the memoir already has done. Obviously, this whole court case, people did worry that Harry was going to bring up Prince William's deal. With the Murdochs uh, back in 2020, uh, where he reportedly received a, a lump sum, you know, for bringing a phone hacking case to the Murdochs and they settled it out of court. But I, I honestly think it's not caused the shockwaves that people might have thought it would have. Compared to the memoir, the Netflix series, the Oprah interview, this is almost paled in comparison. Which is which is strange because this is the, the you know this is he's standing up in court and it's a really going through the law to uh, prove his point. But yes, I almost feel like people just know what he's about now. And in terms of his, like the royal's reputation, I don't think it's really been that, changed much. The trouble is, is that people feel sorry for him and and then in equal measure other people feel frustrated that he complains about the media so much and then he puts himself up on a platter to be back in the media again. And then he uses the media again to tell his story. And it's a bit... I think a lot of people feel like that's a, oh no, his justification for doing that and trying to now play the media. They just don't believe it. They just think if you wanted a quiet life, you could just have one right now. But yeah, I, I do think it, it's died down a lot compared to, I think the memoir was the height of it all.
0: I think one last question we have for you is sort of a little bit more lighthearted but about those court sketches which got a lot of attention here in the US. Do you feel that they did Prince Harry justice?
2: <laughs> I mean, no. Right? Uh no, I I think they they're quite they're quite cruel, aren't they? He is better looking than that, I think. But (laughs) I was actually reading The Guardian's live blog uh, on the day and I think someone put on there, like, I can confirm that he doesn't look this ill and hungover in real life, (laughs) which I feel was very fair. But, you know, in in defence of the, the sketches, I think it was very stressful and I think we've, you know, they have to run outside and do it all from memory. So maybe they just forgot the dimensions of his forehead or something. But yes, yeah, poor so, yeah. <laughs> <Well>,
0: Harry. <laughs> they tried their best. It is a high high stakes situation for sure. Well, Kate, we we so appreciate you being here with us and giving us more of the scoop from the UK side of things. And we hope you'll come and chat with us again soon.
2: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention about Prince Harry, actually two more things. He popped up at the Warrior Games in San Diego earlier this week and delivered closing remarks. There are pictures of him at a podium, there no there's no video that I can find yet, so I don't know what he said during those closing remarks, but it seems like he sat and watched the sitting volleyball match. He talked with families and, and soldiers and, of course, the Warrior Games, which was established in 2010, he said was inspiration for founding the Invictus Games. And that will be happening in Dusseldorf in September of this year. But that's all happening before today. There's a pre-hearing for this visa tr- Possible oh gosh. trial, the Heritage Foundation. I know, and so they're going to decide. The Department of Homeland Security is supposed to decide today whether this, um whether they would release his visa or not. So it's just, it is. It's oh my gosh, it's such an. Eye I roll. hope there's a
0: lot of eye rolling going on in the Sussex household over that one. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm sure it's just a headache, though. To be honest, it's just annoying if they, if anything has to be done on their end.
1: Yeah. Anything else you want to mention before we go to highs and lows? No, I mean, I think the only thing I was going to say that's sort of an add on
0: because I don't know where. to to put it in this episode to be totally honest but did you see some we got some additional crown footage that from the new season that shows an actor on the set carrying newspapers that have prince harry wearing the nazi uniform (gasps) so it does seem whether it ends up on the cutting room floor i'm curious but in the upcoming season it seems like they will be touching on that storyline
1: Wait. The only thing that comes up when I Google the Crown and then hit news is that the Crown Netflix is reportedly considering making the Crown movies. What? what? Oh wait, here's here's so the weird. images of the. Oh wow, I see that now. It's the Times. It's the front cover of the Times, and the headline says Prince Harry's Nazi costume uproar. Wow. And it's on
0: people too. A a, a bunch of reputable places have confirmed it. So, with images. I'm nervous, as I always feel for Seasons of the Crown. It's not even, we don't even know when it's coming. Hopefully this fall, but still.
1: Yeah. geez, they really are like flying through the material, though. It's kind of crazy that we're already up to that. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. All right. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows, and this isn't a real low, but I am just <laughs> bummed that we can't go back over to London again this weekend because We really are on the precipice of the biggest royal week of the year, TM trademark. There's Trooping the Colour Saturday, Garter Day Monday, and Royal Ascot the next day. It is such a crazy week coming up. Calendars on PowerBook over there, my goodness. I know. It's like, no wonder we haven't seen the Waleses that much this week. It seems like they're getting ready for all of that.
0: Yeah, Charles and Camilla, too. Well, speaking of trooping, actually, a great subject change, Roberta, to my low. We got to see William do his first rehearsal, which he nailed as colonel of the regiment. A big, big promotion there. Big change for him. That is not my low. My low, though, is the fainting guard. Guards plural, I should say. Did you see that footage, Roberta? I thought there were three that fainted, right? There's three, yeah. There's three. And a couple others, I think, that they had to just be kind of tended to where the guy is lying there holding the trombone just seeing If anyone hasn't watched this, it's a little traumatic to see because the heat was hitting 80 degrees. There was actually a description from one of the youngest members of the Welsh Guards. He said that the Colonel's review rehearsal was like being stood in a sauna with a 200-kilogram dumbbell in your left hand. That's how uncomfy the whole situation was with their uniforms and everything. And just to see this guard collapse and everyone stay in formation, I know that's their job. But I just feel like I wanted someone to be like, are you okay?" Hey, like, get this man some water. Yeah. Stop
1: the show. Stop all of this. I guess that's what rehearsals are for. Didn't Prince William himself yes, he apologize? Tweeted. Yes, yeah. he didn't
0: apologize, but he said, just thinking, you know, I don't think, I mean, he has no responsibility really there, but it's just part of the job. And and a heat wave happens. I mean, this is very common, but I just.
1: I'm moving oh, Saturday. Disturbing video. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Saturday goes a little bit better than that. I am saying that this week my high is sorry i had to get my thoughts in order to open this link that we will see kate middleton prince william charles and camilla all head to scotland july 5th to mark king charles's coronation in scotland for royal week that's taking place in edinburgh in early july i'm excited to see all of them in scotland together and it feels like a royal tour but with four royals so that's amazing and we'll Be tuning in for that after the 4th of July. Something to look forward to after the fireworks. Lots
0: of royal occasions to get excited for. I know it's like still that letdown after the coronation, but there's stuff bubbling up. My high is back to Fergie's podcast. I know we talked about the debut episode last week. She is continuing to spill the tea, and there was a lot more royalty this week. She touched on the arrival of Ernest, how touched she was to hear Ronnie included in his name, but she also talked about some Tiara drama from the royal wedding, Part of it is how the stylist chose to style Beatrice like a Disney princess, which is hilarious. But she also shared a bit about her choice to wear the York tiara. I just love that we're getting some of this background and scoop. It's a great first-person resource. And there was one more mention, Roberta, not to make my high super long, but she talked about how Fergie was apparently Beatrice and Edo's childcare, too, for Sienna while they were in Jordan, and that they bonded over a tea habit where Fergie was giving 18 month old Sienna sips of tea with cold water to keep it safe for her. But I just, I thought all of this, all of this scoop is super fun and a reason to
1: tune in. I love Grandma Fergie and all those behind the scenes moments. It sounds like obviously Eugenie would have had her hands full. So the fact that she watched Sienna while they were away at the royal wedding makes sense. Oh, that's so fun. I'm going to have to tune into that episode. I haven't listened yet. All right. Just a reminder before we close this episode, leave us a royal review. We love that we have a new one to read this week. Thank you so much for heeding the call last week. This is from Lidgirl0908. This person writes, favorite royal podcast. I'm so glad I found this podcast. I've been obsessed with Kate and William since they got engaged and even bought my wedding dress on the day they were married. I was having a hard time finding good royal content. I had heard about this podcast in Elizabeth Holmes' book, HRH. I am now a loyal listener every week and love the Facebook group too. Roberta and Rachel do a great job of recapping the latest royal news and offer a fun, insightful commentary on all the headlines, outings, fashion, and so much more. Highly recommend. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for such high praise. My goodness.
0: Such a compliment. And shout out to Elizabeth's book, which continues to be
1: a forever fave. Oh, definitely. It's sitting right in front of me on my desk right now. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please leave us a review like that one. We'd love to read it out. We love getting them. It makes our week. Follow us on Instagram at Podcasts. Send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com. Do you have thoughts about our conversation about Harry's court case? We want to hear them. Send us a note. And till next week,
0: God save the pod